You're listening to Mile High Insiders with Nick Kendall and Luke Patterson. Head on over to milehighhuddle.com for all things Broncos. Now, it's time to find out what's going on behind the walls of UC Health Training Center. All right, we are live, but we got to let it breathe just for a moment, gang. Hang tight while we get uh, Facebook online with us here, and then we will officially get this gut reaction started. Give us just a couple seconds. You know the drill. You know the drill. And we are almost just about inching closer. Let's go. Come on, Facebook. Let's go. Let's go. Almost there. Good. That was weird, right? What just happened? What did you see on your end? Uh, I just, everything, I have had green check marks marks for me for a while, but you just kind of froze up for a little bit. But All right, let's uh, let's not whistle past the graveyard too long here, guys. Welcome in. This is an impromptu show. It's not really Mile High Insiders. It's not really the Huddle Up podcast, and it's not really Dove Valley Deep Divers. It's Chad. It's Eric. We're reacting to the Denver Broncos. Pretty, um, it was a cruising win, man. They handled the Vikings quite quite well. With me tonight, of course, Eric Trickle, Senior Analyst here at MileHighHuddle.com. Eric, first thing, off the cuff, what comes to mind, your your gut reaction to what you saw today, starting with the quarterbacks? Drew Lock, play, Drew Lock showed that potential that everybody wants to believe in. I mean, he didn't make mistakes. There was, and I'm not, I don't want to try to nitpick on him, but I do want to add the thing that there were a couple issues with him that go back to college, but they were far less often, far less frequently. I think my favorite play of his was not the 80-yard touchdown to KJ Hamler. It was a touchdown to Trinity Benson. He's patient as he moves out of the pocket. He's continuing his eyes downfield and just finds the read and makes the throw. And then the second one was the one big throw to Jerry Judy and just going through his reason going that. And the sad thing is, is that Drew Locke should actually have three touchdowns on the day. And Jerry Judy dropped the touchdown pass. Like it wasn't a good play by the corner. It was right into the chest of Jerry Judy, right out of his hands. Like it just was bad luck for Locke on that one. Either way, I mean, if you <clears throat> if you were looking to see positive signs for of of stepping forward from Drew Locke, I mean, this wasn't a guy out there that looked like he was pressing. Yeah, some of the warts are still there. You know, he's. I think he's always going to be that from the hip, relatively raw, loosey-goosey kind of gunslinger. I don't think you're ever going to see a super buttoned-up, technically proficient, um, you know, black-and-white type guy. He's going to be kind of loosey-goosey, and that's okay. If he masters the stuff between the years, you can be a loosey-goosey guy. You know, you look at Brett Favre. I mean, even look at Patrick Mahomes. Hello, loosey-goosey, my dog throwing left-handed with Vaughn Miller chasing after him. You just find a way to make a play, those guys, right? And now – that's comparing Locke to a couple of truly great ones. But my point being, Drew Locke, a little bit raw, a little bit uh, rough around the edges. Can you produce? Can you can you prove that you've still got what it takes between the ears to get things done? And uh, I saw some pretty significant steps forward today. And I think uh, – I almost called you Zach. Eric, one of the things that uh, made that a lot easier for him was the Broncos quite quickly were able to establish that ground game through rookie second-round pick Javante Williams – who, you know, and I know it was Minnesota's twos, basically, you know, the second team dudes, but so far Denver's first two picks in this year's class look as advertised as Pat Sertan, of course, a couple of pass breakups and that pick six. Yeah. And I mean, there was just so many 
not even those two. There were so many rookies that had a really good game. Jonathan Cooper, Andre Mintz, Lorenzo Neal Jr., the new guy that they just signed last Sunday, he had a pretty good game. But on these quarterbacks, with what you're talking about with Drew Locke, with not being the most technical, refined guy, that's not ever going to happen. And he showed the prop, proper progress that I wanted to see in this game to take a step forward. Vic Fangio, he can sit here and he can say that it's 50-50, that there wasn't separation. Anybody who watched that game can see that there was separation between these two quarterbacks. Drew Locke pushed the ball. He played a lot cleaner than you normally see. Even his mechanics, while not perfect, still some mechanical issues that were there from college that just not going to be fixed. He took a step forward. And I understand to a degree why they don't want to declare him the winner right now. There's some locker room issues. There's some guys in the locker room that do support Teddy over Drew. They don't want to lose that locker room, cause cause a fraction. They're going to give Teddy his shot next week. But I mean, for all intents and purposes, Drew Locke's the starter of this team. It was uh, it was pretty emphatic, right? I mean, as you said, this guy should have three skins on the wall today, three touchdowns. You know that that slant to Judy a little a little inside. You'd like to see him put that maybe a little bit more on Judy's outside hip. But nevertheless, Drew Locke looked good and that's what i've been trying to tell people as everyone knows out there like look i'm not a i'm not a drew lock stan i'm a drew lock uh relatively optimistic posture i don't think (laughs) drew lock's the second coming of john elway i don't think he's the second coming of brett Favre, but at the same time i don't think he's paxton lynch and i think he's shown enough throughout his 18 starts in the league to imply more that he's on a on a positive trajectory that he has shown more that he could be a franchise caliber guy more so than the evidence that he couldn't be but he just needed a little bit more time to incubate and it's looking like that incubation Eric combined with getting the same scheme year over year is coming out in the wash now it's only one game and in the same way that we wouldn't want to overreact if it was Teddy balling out I mean Teddy did play well but as you said, Eric, you know, the one thing about Teddy, it was pretty quintessential, to be honest with you. Check down, check down, check down, check down, take what's there. Efficient, but you're going against a second-team defense in the preseason. That kind of a game might work for you here and there against first-team yeah. NFL defenses, but they figure it out pretty dang fast. And then just smother, just smother those short zones. You need to be able to push the ball, which is why Vic Fangio on the first Saturday, you know, training camp starts on a Wednesday that next Saturday, he says, look, check downs. Hey, look, they're, they can be important. It's better than taking a loss. It's better than taking a sack. It's better than throwing a pick. But we need to have balance. Drew Locke showed that balance today, Eric. He showed the balance of taking what the defense was giving him. You know, his old uh, one-liner that he got from, I think it was Rich Scangarello, actually. You can't go broke taking a profit. And then also when opportunity knocked and you could strike down the middle of the field or you could go deep on a post to, to K.J. Hamler, no compunction about pulling that trigger. And at the same time, Eric, even that one deep pass down the left sideline, an accurate, accurate ball. I mean, Jerry Judy just couldn't quite beat his man there. Drew Locke was sharp today. I mean, accuracy actually surprised me a little bit outside of that one slant in the end zone to, to Judy that was just, I mean, NFL is a game of inches. That's one thing Vic Fangio was right about when the Broncos hired him. And, you know, that little couple of inches, it made a difference in that that touchdown. Yeah, and this is going to draw the whole I'm a hater tag and everything for me for about Drew Locke. But you mentioned it. It's one game. And my biggest thing with Drew Locke is that we always saw the flashes. It was can he sustain that level of play 
consistently over one game. Now, next week against the Seattle Seahawks, can he go in and sustain that? In their final preseason game, if he plays, if by then he might be the starter, he might not, uh, and he might not play, can he build on that? Can he stack these good games together? We saw him do that with practices. Now we want to see it in games. I have always had my doubts that we would see this huge jump from Teddy Bridgewater or from Drew Locke to where he would be a the for sure franchise guy. And I still have my doubts about that. But he is making the steps needed to continue and ease those doubts and work his way to potentially being that. And on Teddy Bridgewater talking about the 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 steady Teddy, the stereotypical steady Teddy play is as good as that is now. If you get down against the against the Kansas City Chiefs, against the Los Angeles Chargers, that's not going to help you get back in the game. It's always been a situation where Drew Locke needed to come out and win this job because what he can bring this offense gives you a much better chance to win than Teddy Bridgewater has. You just got to see if Drew can parlay this into two good preseason performances because that's been kind of, you know, one of the unfortunate, I mean, the knocks on Drew, and it is what it is, is you get those spikes in in production and you go, wow, right? Like the uh, 300 plus yards and three touchdowns in his first career road start in Houston, which was then followed by kind of getting beat up in the snow against Kansas City. Then it kind of bounces back a little bit to close that rookie year with two solid wins. Last year, up, down, 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 up, spike, down, down, down. He steadied out from week 11 on for the most part. I don't think he gets enough credit for that. But the big prolific spikes, Eric, they come in spurts. And for Drew Locke to really find that symbiosis, you know, to find that balance of walking the line between being a gunslinger who can keep a defense on its heels combined with also being a smart between the years game manager. That's the balance Drew needs to find. And if he finds it and it looked like he had it today, but you got to see that consistently, that's the name of the game. And that's one thing that we already know Teddy's got him dead to rights on, right? You pretty much know what you're going to get from Teddy on a game in game out basis. So let's see Drew do that again. And even if it's not a couple of touchdowns and super efficient, like let's just continue to see you be laser-like with your accuracy, make good decisions, protect the football. Real quick, Eric, let's catch up on some supers. Uh, Lucas, thank you, my friend, for that super chat. means a lot, my friend. He says, Drew Locke is my quarterback. (laughs) Terrell Owens' voice. He's my quarterback. I feel you. I feel you. I like that. I like that. Let me uh, jump down here to Melly P or Mellip. I don't know. Thank you for that super chat. Biggest takeaway today, Trinity Benson is the real deal. Hashtag Denver Broncos for life. Eric, your thoughts on Trinity Benson? Um, as I grab this from BG, thank you, BG, legendary MHH superstar. He says, finally, some football. As I get to the next superstar, though, Eric, your thoughts on what you saw from Trinity Benson, who's had himself one hell of a camp, and what a preseason debut. Man, I mean, as it looks like I'm having to eat crow for Drew Locke, if he continues this trend, as I have my dish of crow already served to me for Patrick Sertan, I'm going to pound my chest a little bit for Trinity Benson. Maybe you can remember this, Chad. When he first joined in, I did an article breaking down the undrafted free agents the Broncos brought in, and I mentioned that Trinity Benson at some point was going to make this Broncos team. And it seems to be that this is going to be the year that he is. It was going to take some time. I mean, this big old jump in competition, we're seeing it with Quinn Miners. He had to make it as well. And it finally seems that he's settling down. He's adapted to the speed of the NFL. He's making plays, consistent plays. Showed up on special teams, had a big return that was wiped out by Kendall Hinton. 
But the best thing is that it didn't matter who was throwing the ball. He was out there just making plays, doing his thing. Makes you wonder if if Hinton was like sabotaging him, right? <laughs> I'm just <laughs> kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, all right, let's grab this from Lucas. They practice. They talk about practice in lock we trust. And then uh, here's one from Najal Top, one of our great longtime Super Chat superstars. He says, hey, brothers, exceptional game. Feels great. By far the best Broncos preseason performance in years. Total domination. Concerning that Judy looked like he dropped two uh, passes. Sertan, the real deal. Q, uh, QB play like this. Watch out. Yeah, very encouraging because, you know, we've, we've been saying this is, is, I mean, even Von Miller this is the most talented team he says we've had in, since Super Bowl 50. But then you get the caveat, so long as the quarterbacks come to play. And the version of QB that both guys showed today, whatever decision the coaches ultimately make a few weeks from now, Eric, it looks like this team going to be okay. I mean, I've said it before, and it's it consistently gets me labeled as a Drew Lock hater, but I've said multiple times this team will go as far as the quarterbacks will take them, either in a good way or a negative way. It will go as far as the quarterbacks take them. And that's the case with this team. I mean, on paper, this team does look better than the 2015 squad did, especially on defense. And that defense back then was stout. It was just this year, it just looks so much deeper. So they'll go as far as the quarterbacks can take them, take them. And if we get this play consistently from the quarterback, it could be a playoff run. Guys, we're still having issues uh, with YouTube's allowing us to see the super chats on the back end. So if the stream jumps it and we're not able to grab it live, we are a little bit limited. If we miss one or two tonight, let not your hearts be troubled. We promise we'll make it up to you. Get them in, though, because I just created a contingency plan just in case. But get your supers in. We appreciate the support. Like from Jess here, longtime superstar. He says, no dancing. Drew means business this year. That could be true. That could be true. Uh, Anthony Bomer, what's up, buddy? He goes, feels good to be right about this team having the ability to score points. I know it was only preseason, but we dominated. It's hard not to be confident. Eric, as you kind of riff off this in reply, I just want to add to it what he said. Look, you didn't even really see Noah Fant get going. You didn't even really – I mean, Cortland Sutton wasn't on the field. Jerry Judy had a couple of plays, but even still, it was more like last year's version of Judy than it was what we were hoping to see based on his camp performance this year. When all those pieces come together, Melvin Gordon, Javante Williams, man, this it's you're starting to kind of – get visions of the sugar plum fairy in your head here of what this team might be able to be or look like offensively. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it, you're right. It's not hard. It's hard not to be confident. They did this without multiple key players playing. Garrett Bowles wasn't out there. Calvin Anderson, who did well at left tackle, um, ended up starting the game. Um, the only other starters they had on their line were Lloyd Cushenberry and Graham Glasgow. And maybe Bobby Massey if he wins a starting right tackle job. So really Dalton Reisner and Garrett Bowles. Uh, Noah Fant really didn't play. No Cortland Sutton. No Melvin Gordon. No Von Miller. No Bradley Chubb. No Shelby Harris. No Draymond Jones. No Justin Simmons. No Kareem Jackson. No Kyle Fuller. Bryce Callahan. Like n hardly any of the starters on defense. Very few of the starters on offense. It's hard to see to watch them be this dominant. And granted, same thing on the Vikings. Very few of their starters played. But it's hard to watch them be this dominant and not be confident that they're going to come out there and play well. But that is at the same time, it's also one reason for a concern. Was this a thing of just not playing starters that they happen to look good? 
Hopefully that's not the case. We'll find out probably over the next couple weeks, but it's looking it's looking good so far for the Broncos. I'm trying to show the right screen here of the stars. I want to update everybody on where things stand with our giveaway. Here we go. As you guys know on Facebook, we are trying to get to 500,000 stars as a channel on Facebook. When we get there, and as you can see here, we're 35% complete there to our goal. We're not only going to raffle off a Von Miller jersey to those who contributed the stars, but we're also going to have a really cool little MHH memento to go along with that. So if you have a man cave, or I say a fan cave, because we got a lot of passionate ladies in our community as well, it'll be a little something, something for you to hang on the wall that I think you will appreciate as a special touch on top of the Von Miller jersey from your favorite MHHers. We're getting there. And let me tell you who's in the running right now. The more people have, the, the people with the most stars, it's a raffle. So the more tickets you have in the hat, the better your odds are of winning, right? When it all is said and done, here is the leaderboard. Zeus McPeak, still number one by almost double, right? The, the margin is, I mean, I wouldn't say it's insurmountable, but it's, it's significant. But Travis Weber, he's making, it, he's making a serious run at number two. Michael at number three. Gary Leeds Palmer, the legend himself, at number four. Andrew Lamp at five, uh, Lampy, excuse me, I remember that now, Andrew. At number five, Andrew Baker at six. Travis Tarbox seven. Howie frickin' day, eight. Claude Riley, nine. Sean Miller, 10. And then just giving you a quick snapshot of the get people just outside the top 10. Now, hey, it's never too late. Eric, any one of these guys could uh, make a play to increase their odds to get to the top. But we appreciate that. The stars do support the channel. <clears throat> it does allow guys like me and Eric to show up tonight and produce this content for you. Keep these conversations going. So thank you very, very much to each and every one of you. Uh, Eric, real quick, and then I'm going to catch up on, I'm going to check the back end for some super chats. We got Rello Takeover, longtime superstar, who says, good game by the Broncos. I had a blast in U.S. Bank Stadium. Oh, he was there. Right on, brother. Uh, Drew Locke really surprised me today. This QB battle is very interesting. So, Eric, I would imply, and thank you, Rello. I would, I would, my interpretation from some of the things you've said today is that even though Vic Fangio was like, hey, you know, another day, another dollar, I didn't see any separation, you feel like there was some separation, it sounds like. And if that's the case, do you think Vic Fangio was telling it? straight up or do you think he's just still trying to manage expectations publicly behind closed doors the Broncos went yo that was dope from Drew I think it's a a little of both and I, if I was actually hated Drew Locke there's no way I'd say that he was separating so just want to throw that out there but uh I think it's a combination of both from Vic Fangio that we're seeing and I think that part of it also is that as I mentioned earlier, is that there are some players, and if you listen to their comments, you can kind of hear them that they may be leaning towards Teddy. And I think that they're just kind of don't want to flat out name Drew Locke as a starter right now. Let Ted, Teddy have a shot with the starters or the majority of the starters, see what he can do, and then go from there. But also, as I said, I mean, it's hard not to watch this game and see the big difference between what Drew Locke can bring this offense, what Teddy can bring this offense, and say, yeah, Drew Locke, Maybe he hasn't won it yet, but he definitely has the lead in the race. Real quick, Ben Roth, thank you for that super chat, my friend. means a lot. Drew, I'm able to go back and only grab this much of your super chat, so please put the remainder of your thought 
in the chat and we, Eric and I will keep an eye out for it. Eric, keep an eye out for Drew. And if you can, you know, Hey, I don't know if Sam Bam's in the house. He was very helpful to Zach and I on this front the other day when, since YouTube's backend analytics have been uh, like they are, we're unable to, to check uh, supers repost it. We'll get what your comment is. I just wanted to give you some love. An OG superstar, very generous super chat. He said, great game. Second stringers dominated. And then it cuts off. So Drew, Hit us up again, or if you guys, in the, anyone in the chat sees what Drew had to say there, uh, help us, let us know what he said. Mark Langley, <clears throat> another Mount Rushmore superstar. Drew Mount Rushmore, Zeus Mount Rushmore, Mark Mount Rushmore, uh, Brian Greenfield, Mount Rushmore. We've got some serious heavy hitters tonight. What's up, Mark? Good to see you too, my friend. He says, hey, Eric, hashtag MHH. We appreciate the love, Eric. We appreciate the love. Uh, Michael says, and thank you for the stars, Michael. Good evening, Chad and Eric. A great Broncos preseason game against Minnesota. Go Broncos. Yes, indeed. Very, very encouraging. Eric, as I uh, grab a couple other things here, what else jumped out to you just for a minute, aside from the quarterbacks? I think we need to, and if not now, we can do it later in our conversation, but talk about Javante and talk about Sertan. I mean, those two, they killed it. They look like stars in the making. I put out a tweet today that I just go ahead and just feed me my crow on Patrick Sertan. It's not that I ever thought that he was a bad player. I always liked the prospect. I just didn't like his fit in the Broncos scheme. And I just kind of overvalued one flaw in his game and didn't really think about how other aspects of his game could overcome that issue, that flaw. And I I, I mean, it was a mistake on my part and I was wrong. Um, so go ahead and clip that and record it and keep that because there you go. You have me admitting I was wrong about something. But uh, I mean, he, he was great. I mean... There was twice he had two big plays. Both of them, he had to click and close and make a play on the ball. The first one was a pass breakup. The second one ended up being a pick six. Now, the big issue is um, w- that I had was that hi- his hips are a little tight. He's not as fluid. And we saw that with his click. There was a little hitch to it. But his instincts and recovery speed just make him look so much smoother. You can't. It's hard to notice that that click, that little hitch in his step, in, unless you're looking for it. I mean, he was outstanding. And then Javante Williams, he came in first two, two runs and had 24 yards. Like he was quick, strong, ran with power. The burst was great. The vision was great. And he got a lot of help from the Broncos offensive line that was out there. I mean, Calvin Anderson on his first run of the day, Calvin Anderson and the tight end, I think it was Eric Sobert, just did a tremendous block sealing off the whole left side for him to just cut it back and just get a lot of yards. Um, I think that was the 11 yard run that he had just a tremendous play by him and a tremendous play by the offensive line to set him up real quick. Shout out to here's how today's looking on the leaderboard for stars in this stream. Zeus at the top. No surprise. Andrew Lampy right behind him. Jeffrey Hilger. Thank you, Jeffrey Butch Butch. Appreciate you. Michael. Appreciate you. Let's see who's over here. Alexander. Thank you. My friend, Gary Leach Palmer, <clears throat> legendary Andrew Baker, Malcolm G Brown, Jerry Holland. Jerry's been with us. A long, long time, and I think there's more. I'll grab those here in just a second. But, guys, thank you so much for the stars. Keep it coming. Helps the channel tremendously. Meek, what's going on, dude? It's great to see you. Longtime listener, longtime superstar. He says, do you think that Trinity Benson's emergence is going to send Tim Patrick on the first thing flying? And do you see all that orange in this? Did you see all the orange in the stands? Yeah, Eric, there's a rumor. Right, that, that the Ravens uh, are interested in Tim Patrick. 
does this render that a much easier decision for George Payton, depending on whether or not the offering, you know, on Baltimore side is commensurate with what Tim Patrick is worth? Um, I mean, we talked about this a little bit on Dove Valley Deep Divers last night, and I don't think that Trinity Benson's play helps it, nor does it hurt it. Um, I think the big issue is that the Broncos, they need to value, figure out how much they value Tim Patrick and will they value whatever picks they get, poss- most likely 2022 picks. Do they value that more than any potential 2023 compensatory pick that they would get from uh, Tim Patrick walking as a free agent? That's where it comes at. And I think that it's hard for them to trade him because especially today, Jerry Judy, he had that drop in the end zone for a touchdown. I mean, it hit him. I mean, it, the throw wasn't perfect and I don't want to nitpick the throw, but it was good enough to where it hit him in the chest and rolled out of his hands. That should have been a very easy catch from Jerry Judy, but it didn't, it just didn't materialize. He dropped it. So with the inconsistencies there, it's hard to trade Tim Patrick because he's just a reliable receiver. I agree, man. He's a guy you can count on. And I always thought Timmy P was a solid, solid boundary receiver, you know, solid X guy. But last year, he he really impressed me. And this is a guy who, I mean, I love anyone that comes from my alma mater, uh, the University of Utah. I'm all about those guys. I did not see Timmy P being quite as good as he was last year. And that's not to say, Eric, that he was some transcendent talent. I mean, let's keep it on the real. But he was so consistent. He was a playmaker, didn't drop a pass. There's value there. Broncos RFA tendered him. And now they might be able to flip him for a decent return on a guy that they signed for a song. Didn't cost them anything to sign him after he had been cut from, who was it? Was it Baltimore? It might have been Baltimore that cut. I think I think it was Baltimore yeah. that cut him. Now that I think about it, but uh, Timmy P, Butch Butch. And by the way, the remainder here of tonight's top 10. And guys, keep it coming. We'll, keep, we'll intermittently keep checking back to see what today's top 10 on the stars is. Uh, also wanted to shout out Malcolm Brown, Jerry Holland, Zebulon. You guys love you, Zebulon, taking time off. Eric from battling, um, you know, the Sith in uh, some galaxy far, far away. Warp speed gets you here quick. Boom, Zebulon, man on the on the spot. Appreciate you, brother. Um, okay, Butch Butch wants to know how the interior O line looked. Eric, as a guy who prides himself on analyzing and studying the trenches, what's your answer here for Butch Butch? Uh, I'm I'm scared to say it because it might get me labeled as hater for another player. Um, it wasn't the best. Um, Lloyd Cushenberry, he had some good plays, but there were too many times that he ended up on the ground and pro- pass protection from him still looks rather rough. Uh, Nathaniel Moody, he had some really big run blocks, but there was one run block that he had a pull. It was early on in the game. It ended up going for a big gain by Royce Freeman. Um, he had a pull and he his, his technique when pulling, even last year, wasn't the best and it doesn't look improved this year. Uh, maybe it was just a, a one-time thing tonight, but something was off. He pulled too far back off the line, and then he had a lunge for the to make the block, and he failed. Fortunately, Adam Prentice, the undrafted free agent fullback, blocked two guys, including Moody's target, uh, to make that big play, and he continues to look hit or miss in pass protection. So those two guys had it rough. Quinn Miners, I mean, it was a uh, very obvious that he has this big, big jump in uh, level of competition from Wisconsin Whitewater to the NFL. Um, there was a play where I think it was Brett Rippon was in at quarterback who nearly threw an interception. And it was largely 
because Quinn Miners, I mean, he just lets the he's running in front of the Vikings defensive lineman, doesn't get his hands on him and just allows him a free jump up to break up the play. And that just you got to get your hands on them. You got to make that block. And he just lets him go. Austin Schlopman was quite frankly terrible out there. Um, guard center, it didn't matter. He just did not play well. Uh, so the interior offensive line didn't have the best showing today. Graham Glasgow even had a few bad plays out there, and he happened to be the best one of them. Fortunately, they got good play from their tackles, though, I guess. Yeah, that's the silver lining. Uh, Zebulon, what are the, were the joint practices this lopsided? No, they weren't, actually. Um, the Broncos just managed to be the team that turned it on, and that's something I've been talking about like with Drew Locke specifically is, you know, setting expectations before we even got to training camp. Don't expect Drew to return and suddenly look like this super consistent, you know, bona fide kick butt quarterback. He was going to continue to kind of, you know, be the up and down guy in camp because those for the format of training camp, the format of practice in general favors the buttoned up straight laced game manager, whether it's Trevor Simeon going against Paxton Lynch or Teddy Bridgewater going against Drew Locke. Wait till the lights come on because Drew, if he's if nothing else, he is he's kind of got that gamer gene in that you know if he's going to give you it, 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 when the lights go on, that's when you're most likely to get the best possible version of Drew Lock, and that's no guarantee that you're going to get a great version of Drew. But I just had a feeling that the preseason games were going to tell the tale, and so far that's it's really doing that. And this is a good example, Eric, of a guy who is probably quite dug in on a uh, anti-Drew Locke, perhaps deranged, suffering from Drew Locke derangement syndrome, I don't know, <laughs> has painted himself into a rational corner to a point where he says this, Judy is great. Hey, we're not, no one here is saying Judy's not great. It's Locke's inconsistencies. That's the problem. Then he goes on to say Locke did good today, but it wasn't like he was up against their starters or best players. We'll see how he turns out. At a certain point, uh, WW, you got to give people their due, right? Drew had a day. Let him have his day. It doesn't mean anything more or less than the fact that he had a day. Uh, trying to make excuses for Jerry Judy because of what? I mean, Drew Locke, outside of that one pass in the end zone, Eric, that slant, I mean, Drew Locke, he was, he was pretty money with the ball today. Yeah, and – on this point is like playing against their second stringers. Um, Cameron Dantzler is a starter for the Minnesota Vikings and the receivers, Andrew Locke made him look terrible out there. Uh, Chris Boyd is their number three corner, I believe. And he, he was the guy that was on Jerry Judy on that play that Jerry Judy dropped Locke placed it. Not perfectly by no means was it perfect, but he placed it in a good enough spot to hit Judy in the chest and have it bounce out of his hands. And he was the one on the other deep pass about it that he placed fairly well that Judy still should have come down with. It wasn't a drop, but it was still a good opportunity from him. So the number two and number three corner from the Minnesota Vikings, Judy beat on or Locke beat on multiple passes. I mean, so this whole thing that he wasn't facing starters, it's not exactly very fitting because in those plays he did. All right, real quick. By the way, guys, uh, if you see me, if you see flies buzzing around me today, I had a little bit of a air conditioning crisis in my new studio. I've got this really cool mini split condenser that hangs on the wall. It's got a condenser outside and it's got a little cassette that blows nice air conditioned cold 
literally right after the trickle zone on a Facebook exclusive. And then right after Broncos book club with yours truly, all of a sudden it started getting hot and I'm going, what's going on? This thing wasn't blowing uh, cold. And so that proceeded to, I turned, you know, trying to figure out how to get it going. What, d- windows open, doors open, trying to figure things out. Long story short, let the flies in a little bit. So I got it. They're driving me nuts here. Um, Eric, Alexander, I'm just going to flash this and then read it from the chat because it's a big uh, comment. But thank you for the stars, Alexand- uh, Alexander. It says, I tend to see this team as optimistically as possible, but to say that I am thoroughly enthused and energized by today's showing would be to vastly underestimate my feelings, which is that this game barely scratched the surface of how well they can play. Dead Eye Drew and Death from Above, a stifling D. I have a three mile smile right now. I like that three mile smile. That's cool. That, that, that kind of rolls off the tongue, but yeah, guys, it was really encouraging. And I like Eric, I don't want to uh, throw a wet blanket on you uh, on the excitement here, but let's just remember whether we're celebrating Drew's good day and, and being encouraged by that. Javante PS2, Teddy, Caden uh, Stearns, Justin Sternod, all very encouraging, but it's one preseason game you need to see patterns. You need to see things establish themselves as a body of work over time. So Eric, we want to see this uh, continues is what I'm getting at. Yeah. I mean, I said it a couple weeks ago on um, Dove Valley Deep Divers. Somebody came in and chat and they were saying, Oh, it's only practice. It's like, well, it, it's a multiple step process. Good quarterbacks show it in practice and they take that and show it in preseason in the first preseason game. Then the second, then the third, and then they carry it over into the regular season and so on and so forth. So it's mo- it's multiple rungs on a ladder. And right now, Drew, he showed it in practice. That's that first rung. He's shown it in the first preseason game. That's the second rung. Now he's got to do it in the second and the third, and he's just got to keep climbing that ladder. David, one of our great community mavens, jumping in to say, what does Locke have to do? He can't play any better than what he did. I'll tell you, what he has to do, Eric, he's got to do it again. He's got to prove that it's not a fluke. This is what I do. This is who I am now. You can trust me. You can count on me. And so it's going to be a little bit different dynamic this next time because against the Seahawks next week, Eric, he's going to be the second guy in, right, which is something new for him. But at the same time, you know, put, trying to put myself in, in his shoes, to me that's almost better in terms of looking at it from an audition perspective because, you know, it's like – when you have to be the one who breaks the ice, you know, you got to really set the tone. And in the case of coming off the bench, whether Teddy had a good day or a bad day next week, you know, it's a little bit more freeing when you're not the first guy in and you can kind of, I think you almost get a more true version of Drew next week than what you got this week, however it plays out. But my, my answer to you, David, is do it again. Consistency and let the coaches see that this is a theme, that this is who you are now. It's here to stay. And the nitpicker in me is there. there's two things from today's game that I want to see Drew Locke continue to improve on. There are aspects that are never going to be perfect, but there are aspects that can help him go a long way to be just continuing to be better. Uh, the first one is locking on receivers. Um, seven passes wasn't a big deal, but the two big passes to Teddy, the only thing, I mean, the quick slant, not going to harp on that too much. I mean, it's a quick slant. You get the ball, you look, and you throw it. But the other pass to, to Judy, the one not the, the one where he actually caught it, but the other incompletion, 
is right off the snap, he just looks right at Judy and he stares him down. Um, and you can, when you were able to watch the replay, you can see that the safety is just reading him all away and very fortunate that he placed it where he did to protect it from an interception, which is hats off to Drew Locke for that. And then he's got this issue that he has, and this is more mechanical stuff. And this is just one thing that he can fix that can really help him a long way with his placement. And that is he's got to create his, his, his throwing path. And when you throw the ball, he's got to point his hips, point his legs, point his feet to where he wants to place the ball. And that will help him go a long way Two issues that will never be perfect, but they're things that in this game that we saw that he can needs to sit there and continue to grow on and get better at the rest of Drew's super chat. Again, thank you, Drew. Appreciate your reposting as well. As he went on to say that Locke and Teddy looked good. So did Benson, Cooper Stearns and Deshaun Williams. Yeah. Caden Stearns, man, uh, multiple tackles. I can pull it up, but saved a touchdown. You know, the question with him after a really solid camp was, hey, can you tackle? And that's something Vic Fangio even offered up. He's like, yeah, he's looked good, but let's see if he can tackle. Look good to me, man. Now, albeit I was a little bit more distracted today as I watched the game than I would normally because of the troubleshooting I was trying to do in time for tonight's stream, and which is why we were a little bit late to. Um, but from what I saw, every time I looked up, Caden Stearns were, was making plays. I mean, he excites me. He looks like a guy that can be something. And we don't even know yet, Eric, what Jamar Johnson's going to be. He's still just getting his beak wet. Yeah. And I mean, Caden Stearns with the tackling. Another thing that I always thought that he, there was a bit of an issue in college was how he came up against the run. Well, today, the best thing that Caden Stearns had, minus the big pass break up for the touchdown, was his run fills, coming downhill, filling the run. And one of the name out there that wasn't mentioned that that looked really good, even better than Deshaun Williams, was Shamar Stevens. This dude had himself a game in this revenge game against his former team. getting the Drawing the holding, I'm pretty sure he's the one who batted the pass on the, the first drive of the Vikings. He um, was filling the run. He got multiple pressures on Jake Browning. The dude absolutely killed it. And uh, he was a guy that was very quiet during practice, and game lights came on, and he got the start and killed it. And I know he was a guy that both you and I, Eric, were kind of dismissive of after – it was kind of like, I wouldn't quite say failure to launch in training camp, but just a just a guy out there. <clears throat> Today, he was making plays. So, yeah, man, it'll be interesting to see how that ultimately shapes the roster math because you got McTelvin Ajim, who's had a great camp. Marquis Spencer, the seventh-round pick, has had some moments. The Broncos will have some decisions to make there. Anthony Edwards jumping in with a very generous super. Thank you, Anthony. He says, I love seeing the young talent making plays today. Stearns, Benson, Cooper, Hamler, PJ Locke did make some plays, and Andre Mintz all showed up, plus more. Easy to be optimistic with all the young talent. Absolutely. And also here, Lord <clears throat> Lord Deer up in Canada, thanks for the super chat, my friend. He says, Sertan scored as much as Fields today. Um, that's go not ahead. actually true. Justin Fields had two touchdowns. He ran for go. one and he threw for one. There you go. There you go. But, yes, Eric, you didn't even see any first-string defenders i mean the offensive line as we know uh was mostly the twos you had um no Cortland sutton um i mean you were only scratching the surface of i mean this team's heavy hitters outside of a few guys i mean judy was out there hamler was out there Locke was out there um teddy was out there you know alexander johnson was out there yeah, everyone else was chilling so that tells you man like 
this team finally has some depth and that's as encouraging as anything else. Yeah. And Alexander Johnson actually didn't play, but um, I could have swore I saw him out there, dude. Am I tripping? Yeah. He was one of the okay. ones that um, i trying to think Justin Sternod and Josh Watson started for the linebacker. I think it was. I'm pretty sure Char- that's charge it to uh, my being slightly distracted. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not. You're right, man. I'm not seeing any box score yeah. production. I, anyway, forget that. Go on. But I mean, the your point still remains. There are very few starters out there for the Broncos, both sides of the ball, and just, I mean, they still did extremely, extremely well. I mean, there's a lot of reasons to be optimistic about it, and we're starting to see what Vic Fangio's scheme can really offer up when, hopefully, still knock on wood you can stay healthy and still have um, and have good talent out there on the field. Very crucial. Very crucial. Uh, I want to do a quick update on where things stand on the stars for today. Let me get this queued up here really quick. And then I want to shout out a few folk who are showing up in a big, bad way for MHH tonight. Shout out to the following and you, can, you guys can kind of get a feel for what the leaderboard looks like on Facebook today. Zeus McPeak, Andrew Lampy, Jeffrey Hildred, still there at number three. Butch Butch, Michael, Alexander, Gary Leeds Palmer, Andrew Baker, Malcolm G. Brown, Jerry Holland, Zebulon, Colby. Guys, love you. Appreciate you. Keep it coming. You know we really, really appreciate you. Jerry says, is it possible that Vic is incapable of seeing the separation. I mean, surely he doesn't want to put that in fans' minds. I don't think it's that he doesn't see it, Jerry. Honestly, I think at this point, because it's only game one, he has to manage expectations relative to the public arena. He can't go out there and christen Drew Locke, the guy, and or, or even say, yep, today we saw some clear separation. Now, if Teddy would have gone out there and been pedestrian, I mean, his his. his he kind of was pedestrian, but he was efficient. He moved the ball, and he did get the one touchdown. So if it was in the face of like a less-than-stellar performance against Teddy, maybe you could see Vic saying something publicly. But because both played well, even though Drew Locke was significantly more explosive, because both played well, Eric, you got to keep it within the, the, the expectations in check, knowing that there are two more games that are going to, in all honesty, actually determine who gets this job. So he's maintaining – public posture is the bottom line behind closed doors. I mean, if I was a fly on the wall in those coaching meetings tonight or on the plane home or tomorrow, I would be stunned if I didn't hear them say, man, Drew, Drew, you know, he created a little separation yesterday. That was really cool to see, but Teddy still has a window, Eric, to make it up. And I think it's going to be tough for him to make that up. Um, Seahawks defense, they're even their second string, third and third string. They're not quite on the Vikings level. And which is one thing that's really promising about this is the Vikings, they have a pretty deep defense and their defense is pretty strong. Last year, they dealt with a lot of injuries, but uh, Andrew Locke went out there and did this. And I think that part of the reason from Vic Bangio, it's not, it's not that he doesn't see separation. Part of it is the whole politics that comes with being a head coach in the NFL. Andrew Morrow, thank you for that super sticker, my friend, you the man. Uh, Murphy Brothers collectibles in the house with a very generous super. Really appreciate that. He says, uh, from one Eric to another, I dig the Star Wars stuff. 
Teams depth, uh, teams depth looks great. I hope this continues. Go Broncos. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Star Wars. Eric and I are both a couple of Star Wars nuts, although Eric's a lot more of a uh, Disney Star Wars down with down with the sequel trilogy than I am, but we're both diehard, <laughs> diehard Star Wars guys. I mean, it's just ever since I was a kid, I just love it. My daughter loves all the stuff I have. And uh, I'm just I'm just a giant football nerd. Glenn, that's you're only dude, you're only seeing a fraction of the of the gear that's in this room. Because my office is serving on one half of it is my MHH cockpit, right? This is the command center for MHH. Uh, the streams, the videos, different stuff. And then the other is the music stuff that I do as a as a hobby, but I'm pretty, pretty into it. I mean, the first 10 years of my adult life was spent uh, as a touring musician. Gave it up because it's hard to make money in that business. Um it's hard to, I shouldn't, it's not about the money per se, but you got to feed you, yourself. And if you want to have a family, you got to feed your family. And let me tell you, man, it's hard to make a living in that business. So I ended up saying, all right, you know, I'll go find something else to do with my life. I did that. Uh, got my legs underneath me and now I'm kind of revisiting it. So what you see in the background there, a very, very uh, small fraction of the gear that's in this room. And it, when we roll out our YouTube membership, which is very, very soon, I'll show you some behind the scenes stuff of what's really in this room. The guitars, the amps, the drums right to my right. I, I can touch them right now. Uh, pretty cool stuff. But your man cave, Glenn, especially relative to Broncos. Now that's formidable. <laughs> Isaiah, what's good, dude? It has been a minute. Hope you're doing well, my friend. He says, uh, I missed you guys. We missed you too. Great start to a preseason. Can't wait to hear you guys this year. Hashtag Broncos fam. Hey, man, means a lot. Seriously, great to have you back, my friend. Um, Eric, let me mosey here real quick and see what we got. This, the chat, of course, no surprise. Very uh, boisterous, outgoing, passionate tonight. Um, Christian, what up, dude? Thank you. He says, Drew should be QB1 already. Hey, you know what? You didn't leave no doubt last year. Drew Locke did the opposite and it wasn't all his fault, but we don't need to get into that. Drew Locke had an opportunity and he did not, he was not equal to his opportunity. And so he left doubt. And when you leave doubt in the NFL, Eric, your window of time to capitalize, I mean, it's so finite. And so Drew got the um, assumed QB one privilege revoked. Now you got to sing for your supper. And I think it's a good thing, guys. I really do. You can sit here and say, you know, and I've questioned it. Hey, all those 50% reps you're giving up to Teddy Bridgewater with the ones, man, imagine what Drew could do if he had double the reps he's getting with the ones. And that that's an argument. And I understand people who really, that sticks in their craw. But I think what out out uh, shines that, so to speak, in terms of what matters most, the priority, what's ultimately going to influence this equation the most is that competitive anxiety that has been created with the presence of Teddy Bridgewater. Drew Locke said it himself. He has not had to compete. I mean, to be the starter as a quarterback since freshman year at high school. Now that doesn't mean he hasn't had to justify being a QB one with his play from his time in high school in Missouri and Denver, but he's never truly had to freaking flies sing for his supper, Eric, 
And it's just like, you know, Bill Parcells, the longtime New York Giants head coach, was famous for his football psychology and being able to, through competition primarily, uh, psychologically manipulate players for their own good. And in this case, that's exactly what George Payton and Vic Fangio have done. They're making Drew sing for his supper. And as I've been telling the Huddle Up podcast listeners for months, I think it's going to, because it's so new to Drew, the idea of being under threat, the idea of being in question, am I the guy or not? It's going to bring out the, in my opinion, the best version of Drew fans have seen up to this point. Now, I could be wrong, Eric. This could have been some weird flash in the pan, and next week he falls on his face, but I don't think so. I mean, yeah. I mean, competition, we see it time and time again. It brings out the best of people, and that was that was the best hope with Drew Locke, is that this competition with Teddy Bridgewater is going to bring out the best of him. And you hit the nail on the head earlier as well in your your comment talking about how he was given the first he was given the starter job before last year, and he didn't play well enough. I know all these other issues that he had. He didn't play enough well enough to keep that job. And this is the NFL. This is a thing where not for long is a is a thing, and especially when you are in a division with Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert, who had a really good rookie year. I mean, you can't, if you want to compete, you've got to get that quarterback situation resolved. And so Drew Locke having that rough year that he did, and yes, he started to show the the promise and potential towards the end of the season, had those more consistent flashes. It wasn't enough to just hand him the starting job. And fortunately, this competition seems to be bringing out the best of him. Uh, Abigail, Teddy has not been in the league 10 years. Uh, Teddy, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. He's an eighth-year pro, and really two of those years, let's see, all of 16 and basically all of 17, he missed because of the knee. So, yes, he's an eighth-year pro, but he's really only got six years of live bullets under his belt. Um, Zebulon, whoa, wait a minute. Another Zebulon? You got to be, you know what, in me right now. You got to be kidding me. Zebulon Foster here to challenge the Klingon Lord says Locke looked great today. Let's hope he can muster up some form of consistency. If so, we might have something this season. Amen, dude. Yep. It's very encouraging, Eric, but we got to see it again. Yep. I mean, one thing I've harped on for Locke for a while that's really labeled me as his hater is consistency. It's always been about consistency with Drew Locke. Even last year, he had these bright moments last year. He just couldn't do it with any sort of consistency. It's always been, we got to see him get these flashes that he has and just do it more consistently. Now, that doesn't mean perfect play all the time. That's not going to happen. You don't get that from even Drew, uh, even the Tom Brady's and Peyton Manning. You don't get perfect play. He's going to make mistakes, and he's going to make mistakes this year. It's just cutting those down and limiting them and having a much higher rate of the big splash great plays and a lower rate of those ones. I don't think, I think we missed this one from Ben Roth. He says, let's go drew. Thank you for that super chat. I'm going to use the back end like this. Normally I could just do this through uh, our YouTube settings, you know, our admin settings. Um, but it's, they're having some problems and I know it's not just us, Eric, a lot of creators that yeah. I follow on YouTube um, have complained of the same issue. So it's across the board. Uh, hopefully they get it fixed very, very soon. But I want to just scroll up real quick. Sorry, guys, if I'm giving you motion sick here. 
but I just want to make sure we do we, what we can to minimize any potential lost supers. I think for the most part, knock on wood, we're doing okay. Um, Dave from Georgia, legendary Mount Rushmore superstar. Good to see you, buddy. He says, a little love for my favorite Broncos pod. Broncos, hashtag Broncos country. You know what? That's what's weird about tonight. This is not Huddle Up. This is not Dove Valley Deep Divers. Eric and I are, are technically filling the Mile High Insider slot on our seven days a week uh, pod, live podcasting schedule. So we just titled it Mile High Huddle. I mean, you're looking at the two longest tenured guys at Mile High Huddle anyway, so this is my Mile High Huddle. Zach and I will be back tomorrow night for the Huddle Up pod. Um, you know, we'll do an aftermath episode and we'll have a by then a, a day to kind of work through our hormones and and uh, settle in on on some of these issues. But uh, thank you, Dave. Travis, what up, bro? He says, good evening, Chad. Eric, Broncos country. Sorry, no stars till payday. No, don't sweat it, brother. But even for being preseason, the Broncos looked awesome. I'm hoping Patrick doesn't get traded. Eric, if Patrick, let's say Sutton comes back as, as strong as he was when he left, all right, how much would it really sting losing Timmy P? Um, I, it, it's hard to say because it really depends on what are we getting from Jerry Judy? What are we getting from KJ Hamler? What are we getting from Cleveland or Benson or Hinton or whatever other receiver makes the roster? Um, Cortland Sutton, he's going to get his no matter what. Um, I don't think that unless he gets hurt again or doesn't come back, it's not a big factor on Patrick. It's the other guys, but him coming back, him doing well should help out the other receivers, which kind of has this domino effect and possibly make it easier to trade Patrick. And for, in my opinion is I don't think we see a Patrick trade before the season. If we do, it'll probably come after we get to see Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, all these other receivers in regular season for a little while and possibly right there before the trade deadline. Dave Glassman, one of our great superstars and super supporters on Facebook. Great to see you today, Broncos Book Club. He says, can Cortland Sutton stay healthy? That's the big question as to Patrick's value. My gut after today is that Benson makes the roster and Cleveland is gone. I would be honestly stunned. It would take some pretty tectonic shifts, uh, in my opinion, for Cleveland to um, – eat in to the lead Benson has on him depth chart wise. But it was looking like Eric, based on the buzz in training camp that Kendall Hinton might be rendering Cleveland a practice squad cut type guy where you hope he passes through waivers and re-sign him. But, you know, Cleveland did look better to me today um, than Hinton. I think it goes Sutton, Patrick, Judy, Hamler, then probably Benson. So there's your five. Who's going to do kick returns? Who's going to re- return punts and all that? That factors into the continued wide receiver roster math. They'll probably still carry six, even if they cut Deontay Spencer. And so that last spot comes down to Spencer, Cleveland, and Hinton. Uh, I don't think Spencer is going to make it this time around. <clears throat> I think this is when his this is the year his luck kind of runs out in Denver. But it remains to be seen. Cleveland, hey, he was solid last year as a rookie. Showed out well with five catches in the season finale. Um, but as is was kind of a trend last year in Pat Shermer coached offenses in Denver, players would bust out in one half, disappear in the next. And that was the case for Tyree Cleveland in that game against the Raiders to close out last year. So we'll see how it shakes out. Yeah, definitely. And with Cleveland, I mean, he really hurt himself by coming in in the first five practices. And I think he dropped seven passes 
in the first five. That definitely really made it harder for him to to make it. But what he offers up on special teams may be enough to keep him around as a six receiver. And I think that essentially Deontay Spencer's time is coming to an end in Denver. I think we saw enough from Trinity Benson. And I know they've really been trying to push KJ Hamler to take over a returner spot. Uh, Mike Boone, there's that's another guy. They seem to be looking at these other options to take over as the returner and allow them to move on from Deontay Spencer. But uh, yeah, Cleveland, he he really hurt, hurt himself and he's doing this at the wrong time with Trinity Benson and Kendall Hinton both looking pretty strong, though Cleveland was better in the game today than Hinton was. Leroy, great supporter on Facebook, says, What's up with Michael O.J. Moody? He looks like he's scared to tackle. Today was kind of an up-and-down performance from from uh, Michael O.J. Moody, and it kind of threw me off, the 1-3. You know, I know that K.J.'s rocking the 1 now, and so O.J. Moody gave up 23, Kyle Fuller's rocking that, and he's rocking 13, but I, it's going to take some getting used to for me, man. Like, I, I see Patrick Sertan running down the sideline with a pick six, wearing the number two, and I'm like, oh, scrub. You know, like my subconscious goes, oh, scrub. Who who just improved their chances of not being on the roster bubble? It's going to take some time. But anyway, OJ Moody, what's your thought on that, especially in the wake, Eric, of George Payton's admission on, what was it, Thursday, that the phones have been ringing about Denver's cornerback depth teams looking to perhaps make a trade. I mean, that was the big topic last night for Dove Valley Deep Divers and Michael Ojemudia and Bryce Callahan, they both make the most sense for it. Now, Michael Ojemudia, uh, the last year, Vic Mangio, before all the injuries happened, spoke often about wanting to bring him along slowly. And this year with the talent that they have, they can do that a little bit. Now, Michael Ojemudia, he played well, but it wasn't great. And he's showing that he's if he's going to be something, he still needs a little bit more time. He had a couple really big um, pass breakups, but there were a couple times where his tackling was problematic, which was an issue last year with him as well. Uh, John, dude, come on, bro. First of all, Zach hasn't gone anywhere. We're, uh, neither myself nor Eric are supposed to be here tonight. All right, We're helping out Nick and we're helping out Luke by being here. And we're helping out you. All right, Eric calls it like he sees it relax, you know, uh, Aaron Rodgers, chill, R-E-L-A-X. Uh, Andrew Lampy says, did anyone notice that Locke didn't fade back and throw off his back foot? Kid has really put in the work and deserves his due. There was one throw in particular, Eric, where he stood tall in the pocket, uh, let the play develop. I think it was that big catch and run from Judy over the middle, if I'm not mistaken. Again, guys, I was a little bit distracted today. Apologies. Um, Stood tall, stepped into the throw, got hit. Wasn't a hard hit, but hit as he threw, delivered. Technique was on point. I think that film study sessions, those nine to 10 hours he spent with Peyton Manning, might be paying off. I mean, yeah, that the that was one of the big things that I noticed with him was not throwing off the back foot. And anybody who listened to Dove Valley Deep Divers last year, Lance and I both hounded him for that is you're not going to be very accurate. You're going to open yourself up for more turnovers if you're consistently throwing off your back foot. That was a huge step, and I was absolutely ecstatic. And in the group chat that I have with some of the other Mile High Huddle staff, I actually mentioned as like, hey, this is absolutely fantastic that we're not seeing Locke throwing off his back foot. This is a huge step for him on a personal level to improve his quarterback play. He's just, because of that big arm, he's been able to, to do that his whole career. 
And in the NFL, man, it's like reading this book uh, for Broncos Book Club. You learn a lot about Elway as he developed uh, into the NFL QB that he became and the jump from the, from the college ranks to the pros. Even Peyton Manning in his Hall of Fame speech, actually it was um, his father, Archie, in the introduction, saying that when Peyton got to Indy his rookie year and, of course, set the new record for most interceptions uh, in a, for a rookie, he said to his dad, man, dad, no one's open. And Archie had to explain to him, son, they are open. They're just open for a lot less, you know, less time, right? The windows are smaller. You have to put in the work between the years so that you can anticipate, so that you can throw into the future knowing where your guy's going to be and knowing where their guys are going to be so that you can thread that needle. And you're starting to see signs that Drew is getting that. Now, it's only one game, guys, so we don't want to get out over our skis too much, but very, very encouraging on that front, Eric. And here's uh, Straightforward. Good to see you, my friend. Thank you. He says, aloha, guys. Looking at the QBR for this week, both Drew and Teddy are above the current rest of the NFL. Yeah, it was, it was, that's, again, Eric, this speaks to, and by the way, here's uh, in the shop with Willie. Eric, you're just a hater. Um, but it speaks to the fact that, you know, Fangio not going to admit that there was any separation. The reason he can do that with a straight face when there's a microphone in front of him is that Teddy also played well. What, was he as dynamic and explosive as Locke? No. But it's not like he went out there and fell on his face. He moved the ball. He played well. So, you know, it's something that's just going to take time to fully matriculate. But if Locke maintains this momentum, he'll walk away with the with the job. And there, there's one play that I've seen Chet kind of dog on Teddy Bridgewater quite a bit. And not to be a lock hater, I'm going to defend Teddy here for just a moment. It was a third and long play, and he just dumped it down to the running back. And Trinity Benson was actually open with good space between them. But the reason why he was open was that the corner that was covering him came up to hit hit Teddy Bridgewater and was actually clogging the throwing lane. So Teddy didn't have a clean shot at him. So he actually was steady Teddy and took the less risky shot and took the dump off. Um, if that was Drew Locke, he probably hits Trinity Benson and either potentially risks the, the pass breakup or makes the big play. And that's the big difference between these two quarterbacks and what they bring the offense. Real quick, I want to – we're going to grab uh, Mike here, but we're about out of time, guys. We're over that one-hour period. Uh, Mark, so any burning questions, topics you want us to get to, get them in the chat because Eric and I are going to be signing off here shortly. Here is the most current up-to-date of today's Stars leaders on Facebook. Zeus, Andrew Lampy, Michael, uh, Jeffrey, Butch, Steve Lazuski, a newer name, dropping stars. That's great, Steve, because, hey – you might be new to giving MHH stars, but that gets you a ticket in the raffle hat. And when we go to do the drawing for the Von Miller jersey and the MHH memento, you have, albeit it's going to be smaller odds because this first time I can remember you starring, I, I could be wrong on that, but you still have a shot. So Alexander, what up? Gary, legendary Andrew Baker, Malcolm, Jerry, Zebulon, Omega, Kevin Lynn, not to be confused. This is the OG Zebulon. Not to be confused with Zebulon Foster, Donovan Swanson, Colby Collier. Appreciate you guys uh, much. And then here's Mike Possel, Eric, real quick, and then we got to rapid fire our remaining superstars. We'll dip. He says, because uh, most developing project quarterbacks in their first 17 games are full of consistency. It comes with the territory of drafting a quarterback like Locke, 
Consistency comes with continuity and more experience. True. It's true. And that's part of the same principle, Eric, of, you know, hey, dad, nobody's open. Well, they are some. It's just that the windows are a lot shorter in the league. Same thing applies for opportunities. They are finite, right? And so, yes, Drew's still in utero, so to speak. He's still developing. He's still incubating. But those 18 games that he's now been exposed to, that's 18 more games than a lot of guys ever get as a starting quarterback in the league. You need to use that as a kind of, you know, uh, degree, right, uh, education, and then parlay that and really capitalize on the fact that you're finally getting scheme continuity, personnel continuity, and make something happen. By the way, straightforward, jumping in again to say defense was fire, Eric. And going about the whole consistency thing, um, there there was actually a study done on over 100 different uh, NFL quarterbacks, and it actually shows that what you get from them on an EPA basis in your first 17 games is typically the norm of what you get for the rest of their career. Um, the only big exception was actually Blake Bortles, who had a much higher EPA in his first, I think I think it was like actually like first 16 games, uh, first full season as a starter. Um, Blake Bortles had a high EPA for that and then just completely regressed. And he's the only big exception for it. Um, so a lot of what you get for most majority of quarterbacks, what you get in their first 16 games is what they're going to be for their career. Now, Drew Locke is a little bit different from a lot of these other quarterbacks because of all the mechanical issues he's had. And just because 99% of it is the case that way, that Locke could be part of that 1%. Question here from Murphy Brothers. He says, and thank you for the super, bro. He says, you lost me at sequels, bro, LOL. But it's all good. I'm rooting for Locke because I want a homegrown QB that we drafted. But if Teddy wins, I'll root for him the whole way. Go Broncos. And we also had a question if either of us have been watching Bad Batch on Disney+. Plus. I haven't. I'm not huge on the cartoons. I've watched a little bit of The Clone Wars and uh, Rebels, but I have a hard time getting into the cartoons. And I know they're canon, Eric, and I should take them more seriously, but it's just uh, the episodic nature of the cartoons. It's just not as, I mean, obviously it's a cartoon. It's not as real. I get that. But there's something about it that just doesn't um, pull me in in the same way as the live action, whether it's Mandalorian, whether it's the movies themselves. So for what it's worth, but have you, uh, as I go to the next super here, have you watched Bad Batch? I've watched like the first four episodes of it, and then I've just gotten really busy. Uh, a lot of changes in my life that uh, just kind of took priority, and I hope to get into it. And unfortunately, I also haven't watched any of or hardly watched any of Loki, too. Here's one on YouTube, and then we're about out of here. Tez says, Chad, Eric, what are your thoughts on Justin Fields? Does he look like the real deal or not? This man scrambled out of the pocket and made a Mahomes-like pass. Do you see that? Woo! I'm not going to lie. I haven't watched the uh, game, and I haven't watched the the cut-ups yet of that preseason performance. Um, But just like we're saying about Drew, it's encouraging, but one game does not a starting quarterback in the league make. Same applies for Justin Fields. I don't know if you got a chance to watch any of that, though, Eric. Um, actually, yeah, I was watching the, the bears dolphins game before trickle zone this morning. And then afterwards, um, I mean, fields looked good out there. Um, he moved the ball. There were some bad moments, but he showed his promise. He showed his flashes. And, uh, if he, if he grows and he can build on this and he can play with it to this level with consistency, all these things that we're saying about 
that I say about Drew Locke applies to Justin Fields as well. He's got to go out there, take climb this ladder, take the next rung. If he does that, then the Bears got themselves something special. But the Broncos seem to have passed on him and gotten their, some, their something special. In right. I mean, I wouldn't shed too many tears, my friend, when you got Drew Locke playing that way and Pat Sertan flexing hard in his first game in a Broncos uniform. Stu Meat, thank you for the super sticker, brother. I wish I could see what the sticker was for now, the emoji, but shout out to you. Uh, Mike Sorry, what's up, buddy? He says, just finished the condensed game film. Takeaways, Locke looked good. Williams is a beast. Teddy, consistently boring. JK, but the team, uh, but team Locke, go Broncos. That reminds me of Tenacious D. Uh, that was amazingly bad. That was <laughs> consistently boring. Yeah, that's Teddy, man. I mean, but does it make the sausage? That's yeah. the key. You know, he did make sausage. Was it boring? Yeah. Was the sausage tasty? Yeah. So, I mean, you don't look gift horses in the mouth. Yeah, and uh, real quick, somebody in the chat having an issue with us calling Teddy Teddy. That's a nickname he gave himself. Going back into college, he referred to himself as Steady Teddy because he's going to go out there and he's going to give you a steady performance week in, week out. And it's just a nickname that stuck with him. It's not a slight against him with what he does. It's his nickname. It's like calling Adrian Peterson AD all day. It's the nicknames they gave themselves. All right. Finian Yang. Hey, what's up? Welcome. Thank you for the super. He says, Drew Locke, hashtag, let him hate. Yeah, let him hate. And they're still hating. It's all good. Let him hate. Uh, all right, I think we got everybody, but let me double check here. No, Willie, one more from Willie. Thank you, brother. Owen and Andrew Kelly. Willie says, Lock pl- Locks play today, if repeated, wins a lot of games. Teddy's wins a few games. Both played well, but let's not mince words. Drew was significantly better. I agree that he was significantly better, but let me, let me uh, define that. He was more dynamic, right? He was more explosive. He was more aggressive. And this time he came out on top. Now, sometimes you can get out there as a quarterback and try to be explosive and try to be dynamic. But if your fundamentals fall apart and you're not on point, those big shots downfield can quickly turn into picks. And all of a sudden, all that dynamism and all that aggression and explosiveness is blown up in your face. Meanwhile, again, for Teddy, he was steady. And that's what the Broncos, you know, they're really... um, drawn to Eric is Teddy's consistency. They can count on something. They can project forward knowing what he brings to the table day in, day out. I mean, they're coaches that are most likely coaching for their jobs and they don't want the, they want whichever quarterback it is to not put them at risk of losing their jobs, which means not putting them at risk at losing games. And that's where steady Teddy, that's why he was brought in to potentially be that if Drew Locke doesn't make this improvement to cut back on the potential turnover plays and the turnover plays and just become a little bit more of this, as he put it, more of a calculated gunslinger. Andrew Kelly, thank you, buddy. He says, let the haters hate. What more can Drew show to prove he's above Teddy, the check down bear? Consistency. He's just got to do it again. Hey, Steven, appreciate you, my friend. Uh, We'll see you tomorrow night. Looking forward to that. Uh, Eric, how's Alaska? (laughs) One of my places to visit. Uh, how is Alaska right now, Eric, as we uh, close out tonight's stream? It's been, it's been warm. It's been, the weather was bad for a while, but I mean, it's beautiful up here and, uh, fishing's nice. And my old boss actually came by yesterday and dropped off some salmon. So I've got some salmon in my fridge, which makes me happy. 
All right, guys. That's going to do it for today's. Oh, did you want to grab that one from Glenn? Do you still have it? Uh, I don't have it up, but I kind of remember what it said. Yeah, go ahead, man. We'll grab that and then so, bounce. Glenn Hauser came in earlier and he asked a comment about um, basically kind of what's the difference between watching a Broncos game kind of like from a fan standpoint and kind of being this analyst standpoint. And I wanted to answer this because this might actually give a lot of insight as to how I am on these is I view it as to do my job. I can't watch it from a fan point of view because nothing in my heart wants more than Drew Locke to be the guy. I just didn't see it last year. And so I'm not going to sit here and want my desire for him to be the guy to cloud my judgment with it. I, I'm trying to, I try to make it as unbiased as possible. And the drew lock is a guy that before the draft, I've mentioned this multiple times. I've really liked before the draft. He was a guy that I was more than happy if the Broncos selected him at 10 and they managed to get him later. I was super ecstatic about that. Not to mention they got a guy that I really liked at tight end and really liked on the offensive line. I try to draw this line between where I am as a fan and where I am as an analyst and try not to let them cross too much. But, um, and I guess that makes me come off as a hater, but it is what it is. I'm just trying to be as unbiased with my opinions, with my analysis as I possibly can. See, Eric's not a hot take artist. Eric's just pragmatic. And sometimes pragmatic people can rub certain folk if they are hypersensitive the wrong way. Because what does, pra what does a pragmatic cat do? They tell it like it is. And sometimes that happens with maybe a little less tact <laughs> that you might <laughs> want. And I don't say that as, as any kind of shot at Eric. I'm not even saying Eric doesn't have tact. But when a pragmatic person tell gives you their opinion, they're usually just focused on telling you what they think, <clears throat> not necessarily trying to protect or couch or, you know, shade your uh, feelings per se. And that's why guys like Eric sometimes get a little bit of flack. But yeah, I mean, one of the things is, <clears throat> and by the way, thanks for the reminder here, Dylan, guys. Hey, before you dip out, if you're on YouTube or Facebook, like the video. It helps us out tremendously. A little goes a long way, as Dylan said. Um, but, you know, back in the day, I used to, Eric, when the Broncos were on, my adrenaline was up. I mean, I was so invested in what was happening in that game. As I got into media, um, it was just a natural um, byproduct of going, hey, I need to watch this with an objective eye. And when you, when you take away the subjectivity and you're trying to look at this through an objective lens because you know that when you report on it or when you have, are called upon to share your opinion or take on a subject – you know, people can sense when there's bias. And so you have to, in order to remove that from your, you know, your wheelhouse, you have to really take a, an objective posture as media. And when that happened for me, Eric, all I can tell you is I no longer live and die by whether or not the Broncos put a W on the board. You know, I don't, it doesn't ruin my week if the Broncos lose on Sunday night. And so in that sense, it's, it's very much a relief. At the same time, I do miss just, you know, riding and dying based on what happens today in the game. But it comes with some pretty significant blessings, being able to talk with you guys, being uh, having the, the opportunity to have a platform uh, like Sports Illustrated, you know, YouTube, Facebook. We take that with the utmost seriousness. We appreciate it. Uh, and so we try to just tell you our opinions and give it to you as real as we can. So we spend a lot of time, especially Eric, studying the game, uh, 
learning about the game, breaking down film, all that stuff, scouting. I mean, the, the number of hours Eric has put into scouting, pick a draft class. One draft class, the number of hours that cat has spent scouting players, prospects. <clears throat> I mean, it would, it would seriously shock you. You know, it would seriously shock you. But, guys, we got to go. Last shout-out to all the stars tonight. Zeus finishes tonight leaderboard. His lead is still secure. Andrew Lampy, thank you, buddy. Michael, Jeffrey Butch, thank you, guys. Steve, Alexander, Gary, love you. Uh, Andrew Baker, Malcolm, Jerry, thank you. Zebulon, Donovan, Colby, each and every one of you mean the world to us. So thank you for that support. And Eric, hey, man, we uh, stepped into the breach. We were called upon to uh, jump on, and it was a lot of fun. Great cutting it up with you tonight. So uh, thanks for the time. And before we uh, dip on out of here, hey, just reminding everybody, if you want access to our premium VIP podcast content, the only way to get it is become a supporter of Mile High Huddle on Facebook. Then you get access to the Trickle Zone every Saturday at noon Mountain Time. You get access to Broncos Book Club with yours truly every Saturday at 2 p.m. Mountain Time. Kelberman's Corner every Sunday at noon Mountain Time. And that, by the way, is going to change the timing for the time slot for Kelberman's Corner is going to change now that we're getting back into the season once the regular season comes around. So stay tuned on that. If you guys want access, just go to our Facebook page at the very top. Big blue button says become a supporter. It's five bucks a month and you get access to that and you help us keep the lights on at MHH. So, Eric, dude, I'll go through the matters of business here to close things out. But uh, great show. And uh, thanks for making the time and, and let me come on here and, and chop it up with you. <laughs> I mean, uh, it, it was great. I mean, it's unfortunate that Nick and Luke weren't able to make it for their show, but uh, I'm happy to be here, especially being able to go and break down the first Broncos game. And fortunately it was a win and a big win where the majority of their players looked very impressive. And uh, just a quick shout out for uh, future content as I am working on a risers and fallers piece, which will have a video coming up and it'll probably be up sometime tonight or tomorrow. As soon as that thing hits the, uh, the system it's going to publish so look for that soon plus eric has an atani muti film breakdown coming soon so look for that uh guys before we say good night uh make sure you're following mile high huddle on twitter at mile high huddle also eric on twitter at eric trickle trickle spelled t-r-i-c-k-e-l and eric spelled e-r-i-c-k <laughs> myself at chad and jensen also guys check out the merch store huddle up pod get your swag on get one of these mhh trucker hats all right, get a hoodie, get a mask, get a there's a little something, something for everybody. It's another way to support what we're doing here. Uh, and then guys, hey, before you dip out, make sure you're subscribed, like the video. And if you think we did a good job, or at the very least, you respect the effort that Eric and I put in here tonight, share this video out there, help us continue to grow, reach new like-minded Broncos fans just like you. All right, we'll see you tomorrow. Don't forget Facebook supporters, Kelberman's Corner at noon, followed by the Huddle Up Podcast Aftermath episode, 6 p.m. Mountain. 8 p.m. Eastern. For Eric Trickle, I'm Chad Jensen. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow.